Hey, one more thing before you go. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation about grief, coping and spirituality, and why it's so important to recognize and allow it into our lives, especially after loss. I know we've talked about grief many times throughout this podcast, but this is a very unique approach to working through it. Jennifer Alamani lost her boyfriend two years ago. She started to journal in a few months after his passing, and five months later, she had a few transformational revelations that were amazing that moved her life in a very positive direction, and she had a book on her hands. We're also going to chat about her life-changing experience with grief, spirituality growth, and that transformation after losing the love of her life. I'm your host, Michael Hirsch, and this is The Thing About Love, Loss, and Looking at Life Differently. After losing the love of her life two years ago, my guest in this episode, Jennifer Alamani, began to transform her life through loss, and her first book, Mark My Love, was born. She speaks openly about her grieving process and her being okay with not being okay sometimes. We're all in that boat at one point or another, especially if we lose somebody. In her memoir, she explores love, loss, and looking at life differently. In addition, she believes in optimal wellness is important to all of us. And she has been practicing yoga for 13 years. She's a spiritualist and has been meditating for over 10. Today, we're going to have a conversation about grief, coping, and spirituality, and how important it all is in our life, and how to manage it in order to grow and move forward in a positive way. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, it's amazing, an amazing journey that you've had through this ordeal. Everything that you have gone through, because I know that you've had uh, several different pieces of loss, and I know we'll talk about that as it goes, but uh, you have created a, an environment that uh, helps people move forward in a very a very positive way. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I always like to start at the beginning. So can we talk a little bit about like where you grew up? Yeah, I grew up in uh, Brooklyn, New York. I'm a Latin American background. Um, my mom uh, was a single mom, and I'm the youngest of uh, four daughters. Um, so there was a lot of struggles there, but uh, there was also a lot of love uh, in our home from our mother. So you have you have uh, three sisters then? Yes, three older sisters. Three older sisters, no brothers? No, no brothers. Um, I have a few half-brothers on my father's side, but uh, not on my mother's uh, side. How was your family life? Oh, it was good. Um, my, my three sisters are from my uh, my mom's uh, first marriage, um, but and I'm uh, it's about nine year difference between me and my the eldest sister. Um, but we, we were a strong uh, strong family, uh, a big extended family as well. I think I have about at least sixteen first cousins, um, so we were always all around each other uh, when we were growing up, and uh, with my grandmother as well. Uh, my grandmother came from Puerto Rico um, by herself. I believe it was probably about nineteen twenty. She came to New York City and uh, didn't have much in her pocket, and she was by herself. Um, she was an orphan, 
and so no family. And uh, she started her life here. Uh, she met my grandfather and uh, they started, they had seven children and the story began at that point in New York City. That's an amazing journey. Actually, that's pretty cool. That's really, you know, it's, you're lucky you've only had 14 cousins. When we had family reunions, we have 40. Oh, wow. uh, and it's grown <laughs> since then, actually. But there was, when I grew up as a kid, my, uh, I had seven aunts and uncles. My bro uh, mother had seven brothers and sisters. So um, they had a lot of kids. Every yeah. every Thanksgiving, it was like fighting for the table. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. So in growing up there, did you go to university? Yeah, I'm the first one who went to college in my family, the first one to graduate. Um, I was gifted. Uh, I was in the right place at the right time. My mother had worked uh, for the Board of Education. And I want to say in the sixth grade, um, the whole sixth grade class was adopted by this uh, couple. It was called the I Have a Dream Foundation. And I had a full paid scholarship. As long as I made it through and graduated high school, we could we could uh, go on to university and they would help us fund that. Um, so I was the wow. one who, who took, took that forward and I was able to do that and uh, get my degree. I didn't complete it all at once, um, but I did go back to school at night to complete it eventually. That's an amazing opportunity. That's really cool that those people did that. That's an amazing opportunity for kids to be able to move forward. Yeah, they, they uh, you know, they it's a whole foundation now. I know it's grown immensely since then. That was in 1986 uh, when, when the class was adopted. Um, mm. But they wanted to help, you know, kids at risk in different uh, neighborhoods. And, uh, you know, they saw us through to see, you know, who could make it through and give us that opportunity. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, very cool. What did you want to be when you went to university? Would you, well, basically, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. That was my goal. Uh, I loved kids. I loved learning how they, they learned. Um, I was always absorbed by it. And I was always good with kids. It was a natural thing for me, um, being able to just play with them and be on their level, I want to say. So I, I always wanted to do that. That's pretty. That's an outstanding opportunity for. Um, I think, um, you know, as we discussed prior to this interview, uh, I went into law enforcement, and I really enjoyed my job. But working with kids, especially like uh, educating young minds, must have been like a, a satisfying opportunity. Did you get a chance to do that? I didn't get a chance to do it. I I think uh, once I was going through my first two years of my education, we had to do practicum, and I was. Um, you know, in different environments, the daycare environment, also um, home daycare, uh, as also kindergarten as well. And at that point, they started uh, changing, I want to say the curriculum when it came to uh, kindergarten, they were putting a lot more of books and this learning by the book into play and homework. And we were th taught at the time that children learn through their play. And I really didn't agree with it. So I kind of felt like I didn't want to complete the degree in education and go that route, I felt like it was losing what I started out and wanting to, to do with them. Um, so I ended up after um, getting my associate's degree in early childhood education, I ended up uh, going to be a live-in nanny with a family for about a year and a half. Um, and that was mm -hmm. just a different avenue of taking care of kids to two to children, um, but also working with their family and living with them. So that was a great experience. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, you know, the, being a nanny, I'm sure, is a little bit different than um, teaching a whole kindergarten class, but but to me, it you know pretty cool. I know that you um, you lost your mother uh, at a certain point in time. And can you tell me about that? Yeah, I lost my mother. It's uh, going to be about fourteen years uh, this March. 
Um, she she was diagnosed uh, with cancer. They didn't know where it came from. Um, about I want to say three months before her death, she had been had received a clean bill of health, um, and she was doing really well health wise on paper. It seemed, and then you know in February of uh, two thousand eight, it's kind of I want to say all hell kind of broke loose. She wasn't feeling well. Uh, I took her into the ER and all her labs and her her the blood work and everything was just off. Um, and they, they thought it was a cancer that one of her sisters who had passed uh, from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, they thought it was the same thing, um, but it ended up not being that. Um, and they weren't really sure where it started. They just knew that it progressed very quickly. And uh, they had never seen a case like that, they told me, in the history of the hospital of something progressing so quickly. Um, so she passed on, I think, uh, about 30 days after a diagnosis. So it was a, it was a shock uh, that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I, cancer is a really nasty word. It's a devastating disease, especially if it's unexpected like that. It probably shocked everybody around you guys. Yeah, it did. I mean, my mom was a, a core of our family, uh, not just uh, my immediate family, but uh, with her, her, her sisters and brother as well, you know, the family unit as an extension. She was a, a big heart in the family. Um, so it was a shock uh, to lose her. And then for me personally, she was my best friend. She was my mom and dad. My my father wasn't really in my life at all. Um, so she was multiple people for me. So losing mm -hmm. her was a, a big shock uh, to my system. Now, you said, that, how long ago was this? Uh, it's going to be 14 years, uh, 14 years. this March. Yeah. So she had, when, when did you meet the love of your life? Uh, I met him in 2018. So it was after your mother had passed? Yeah, yeah. I had been involved uh, in a long-term relationship uh, for about 15 years before I met him. And that that ex-boyfriend, he knew my mother and he was around my mother and, and all of that. And, you know, he helped me through that grief. Um, we lived together. So he was a big help uh, at that point in my life when I when I lost her. Point. When did you meet your, the love of your life? And we, we talked a little bit about this beforehand. It was, it was a very short romance, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I met him in the summer of uh, 2018, um, and we were both at mid midpoint in our lives. I'm in my, my 40s, and he was in his 50s. Um, he had uh, lived through a divorce, uh, and I had that long-term relationship that had ended. So we didn't think that we'd really meet someone and have that great love again in our life. Um, it was doubtful, and then we met each other, and it seemed to click uh, very quickly. And you know, we knew we wanted to spend uh, the rest of our days together, what we thought, thought would be the rest of our days together uh, at that point. Yeah, we, we talked about this a few minutes ago, actually, in regard to, um, you know, love at first sight and true love can meet you at any point in life. And there's no real time limit on it. It could be two or three months, it could be six months, it could be a year. Um, but when we know, we know, don't we? Yeah, I, and I, I guess I want to say I was a non-believer of that before. Um, but then when this happened, I realized, oh, wow. You know, you can know someone and then just know automatically. I want to say after the first date in person, I, I just knew there was something there that was special. I uh, I knew it and I think he knew it. You know, we were excited about that. What happened? Oh, I mean, he was uh, he had had cancer previously and was in remission for at least five years. Um, and uh, when he went for, you know, his physicals, annual physical, everything, it seemed to be fine again. And then I want to say two months after that, which would have been six months into the relationship, they they found another growth and said that he needed surgery. Um, and then everything kind of declined uh, pretty quickly. 
after that. And then he, he passed on 10 months after, after we had met. Well, that's, that's gotta be, I mean, it's gotta be devastating. I mean, it's the only word that I can use. I mean, I've not experienced losing somebody that close to me, but I've lost family members, you know, and I've lost best friends, uh, unexpectedly, the majority of them. Um, but it, it, what, what did that do to you? How did that affect you? Yeah, it was it was a complete shock. You know, I, I describe to people and I say, you know, think about when you're falling in love and those who have been in love and you have those emotions and you're so excited. And then to go from that into now you're grieving. So I didn't understand it. Um, I was in shock. It took me, you know, it didn't take me long to kind of snap out of it, I want to say in my own way. But I know that uh, I'm very spiritual. Like I, I've mentioned, I'm a spiritualist and I knew that they were helping me from the other side. My mother, uh, him any other angels that have been around me, I knew that they were telling me, like, you have to get up off the floor. Um, because I was devastated, I, I, I didn't start asking why, um, because I knew I wouldn't get answers. I knew with my mother, I didn't get answers as to why that happened to such a good person with such a great heart. So I didn't ask those questions this time around. It was just me accepting it and trying to just pick myself together back up again and put the broken pieces in a new form and try to move it forward. It's, did you, I'm sorry for your loss, by the way, I, I really am, I'm, I, I'm, I, there's no words really, uh, especially when you find somebody that you want to spend the rest of your life with, and then unfortunately this pops into play, this has got to knock you back a few steps, so to speak, and so forth, so what, what did you, I know you had some spiritual help, so your spiritual aspect of your life kind of improved a little bit, I'm assuming, but did you take any other steps uh, to to kind of pull yourself out of this? I know you do yoga, right? Yeah, yeah, meditation. yeah, and that uh, yeah, yoga was a big help um, when I, I I you know I, I came into yoga when my mom had passed, and I know I was guided to that. I didn't know anyone who practiced yoga at that time, um, but when Roger passed, I had had a, a yoga retreat that I had booked um, probably months before, early in the year, and I just picked a random date. Um, but I realize now it really wasn't probably a random date. I think that I feel that they, they knew something was going to happen and I was going to need some additional help. Um, so I want to say it was probably about a week and a half after he had passed that I ha already had that yoga retreat planned. Uh, I wasn't going to go, to be honest. I was so, um, I couldn't get out of my bed. It was very difficult. Um, and I remember I kept thinking, well, what if I don't go? No one's going to know I didn't go. You know, I, I was alone and... I said, who would know, you know, if I just stay in my apartment and stay there. Um, but I felt a force pull me out of the bed and say, like, you have to go, you have to go to this. Um, and it was on that trip that I got more into deeper into nature. I was hiking and doing things that I didn't regularly do. And I felt his presence more. I felt my mother's presence more. And I think that's when I started to see some hope and realized, okay, I'm going to move forward in a different way. Um, and that's, I just started on that journey at that point. And I know it was a godsend that I had that, uh, had that trip planned ahead of time. Yeah. I think sometimes the universe steps in when it's supposed to. And, and sometimes we don't realize that it's there for a reason and, uh, it guides us in the right direction. Yeah. And I felt, I felt that strongly. I felt his presence on every single hike that I was on during that trip. Um, it's hard to describe, um, but those that are spiritually connected, you know, you can feel their presence and I, I felt him around me um, and I knew he was there just to help me, to tell me to keep going. 
Now, if I can go a little deeper and and forgive me for getting a little more personal with the when how long after you guys met had he been diagnosed and how how long prior to him passing may i ask uh it was about five six months into the relationship uh that he was diagnosed and, and then, then it was he, 10 and, and then five months after that he he was gone so 10 months total had they given him the i'm sorry sorry had they given him uh, a diagnosis of four or five months or was the prognosis supposed to be longer uh, the prognosis was supposed to be longer. Um, what had happened, what, he wasn't feeling well after surgery. Um, things were getting a little better, uh, and then things started to decline, and they found another growth right outside his pancreas. And I think when they found that, that's when things just went uh, went into a downward spiral, spiral I want to say. So it was an additional, additional cancer growth that had happened that. in between. You know, I think that... Uh, that the universe brought him into your life and you into his life for a, a specific reason as well, because obviously he didn't go through this alone. It would have been more difficult, I think, if he'd have been going through this alone and he had you. Yes, yes. And I also, I, I believe that strongly as well. And I think that, uh, you know, the universe wanted him to experience love once again, you know, a true love, um, which he felt. And they also wanted me to experience that. Um, and I've had other loves in my life, but uh, not not like the love I had with him. And I think they wanted to show me that that it was possible. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's excellent, actually. So on, when you were on this um, this journey that you had gone to, did you uh, get more into meditation at that time? Did that help? Oh, absolutely. I got more into meditation. Um, I started meditating all, uh, even longer than I had been previously, uh, sometimes going into an hour of meditation and silence. Um, and with that, I think I started healing myself, but then I started realizing there was a lot um, I needed work to do on myself as far as self-love is concerned, um, self-esteem and, and so on and so forth. A lot of those things were uncovered during uh, those sessions and that silence. So I, I knew I had I had some work to do on, on myself. I think that we all have work to do while we're here. And I think we all need to continue to grow as life goes on and never stop learning and growing within ourselves. and. And I learned that while I was away on that trip. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that I love meditation. Meditation helps me in many aspects of my life. My wife and I both are into it. My soul, so are my kids, our kids. I need to rephrase that. They're not just mine, they're ours. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the uh, meditation, the aspect of meditation helped me immensely through my journey with uh, getting out of a wheelchair and through the injury that I, injuries that I've been through and the seven operations that I've been through. So I highly value meditation. Do you recommend it for people going through grief? Oh, absolutely. It, it brought me such peace. Um, I felt connected with my lost loved ones even more. Um, but I felt connected with myself even more. I felt more grounded and balanced. Um, and I still meditate till this day, every single day. Um, and if I don't have the length of time, you know, even five minutes helps me get into that space of, you know, just stillness and peace. But I, so I would recommend that to anyone grieving, for sure. Now, you, you know, obviously you believe in, at least from your website and what I've learned about you, you believe in optimal well-being and health, both mental and physical. So that includes a combination of mind, body, soul, nutrition, as well as the meditation, as well as, you know, loving yourself and so forth. Can we talk a little bit about how you got involved in that and how that all intermingles together when going through a situation like you did? Both times, actually. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, 
I wasn't, I didn't grow up as a very healthy eater and that, that was what it was. Um, but once um, my mom passed and I started yoga and meditating, I, I also was getting these little health ailments. I want to say I had problems with my stomach. Um, I developed ulcers, um, all sorts of little chronic ailments that were debilitating my everyday life. Um, so I knew <clears throat> that I wasn't in a good space health wise. And I just started, you know, I, I went to a holistic nutritionist um, because I had such chronic stomach problems my entire life that then exacerbated after my mom because I knew I didn't deal with the grief when she passed at all. I, I kind of just put it away in the closet and, and didn't go through it. Um, so when I got on that journey of being so sick with my stomach and traditional medical doctors were just kind of giving me blanket statements of, oh, it's IBS, oh, it's this, it's that, and no one really knew how to kind of fix it. That's when I took my own health and my own journey in my own hands. And, and I went to see a holistic nutritionist. Like I said, I stripped my diet of a lot of things at the time. And I had to build my system back up. I want to say I got a little sicker before I got better. But once I got better and I was able to live in that space and realize, okay, I can feel good. And health-wise, you know, I was doing work from the inside out and it was getting a lot better. My life was getting a little bit easier. I wasn't getting as stressed out um, with the daily uh, tasks of life. Um, so then I just kept going and that's my life now. I, I listen to my body. Um, I do yoga. I go walking about two, three miles a day if I'm able to and the weather permits. Um, and all of that keeps me grounded. And I know it's all it's all connected. So that mental, that mind, body, spirit connectivity, um, once you get on that journey and kind of put it all together, I think that people could have a, a lot better you know, life if they're you know willing to put in the work. Kind of helps them get through the um, the mental stress, the grieving process, which is different for everybody. I mean, we all have similarities with it, but it's not a one, two, three, four, five step. I, I really, and when I say this, um, I've learned this throughout this podcast and through the individuals that I've spoken with and the professionals. There used to be the thing where you'd have to go through step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, and then you're supposed to be done. But um, our grieving process isn't always that simple, is it? No, not at all. And it, it is different from every, for everyone. Um, and all these steps and things, I don't think we're ever really fully done with grief sometimes. I think we just manage through it. And then we learn how to navigate it eventually. I want to say I still grieve for both of them every so often. I still cry for both of them every so often, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't debilitate my life anymore the way it did. And, you know, and there is no time frame. I've had people tell me like, ask me flat out after my mother had passed a few years, it was like, when are you going to start working through this? Or when are you going to get over this? I've had so many people say that to me. And I remember being in shock at the time. Um, but people just think what they know, what they know, and that you're supposed to be done with things at a certain period of time. And it doesn't work that way exactly. at all. You know, it's, it's so unique to each of us. Yep. I lost my father f over 40 years ago and I still grieve, uh, you know, not, not so that it stops me from moving forward or accomplishing things in my life, but I still have this little hole that is probably never going to really be filled. It's always going to be there. That I still grieve, like, oh, I didn't get, I wish my dad could have seen this. I wish my dad could have watched my kids grow up. I wish my dad would have seen this happen or that happen or met my wife. You know what I mean? It's, it's, although I do believe in, 
um, the other side. And I do believe that my father, just like with your parents, I think that he is here and he is with my kids and he's with my wife and he knows my wife and my kids. So from my perspective, I think that, yeah, it's a really good thing to, to believe and have faith in that. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to say with my mom, you know, I always had that faith. It just wasn't, I didn't lift it up, lift it up as much as I did um, when Roger passed. And now I know that, uh, I know that they're around me. I know that um, I had went on a, uh, a trip. Um, it was probably a few months after he had passed, I had left and it was my first time I left the apartment in a sense of a way after I, I you know, went through what I went through. And uh, when I came back, uh, I opened up the door of my apartment and I, I felt this force of air, I want to say, pushing me. And I didn't have any windows open in the apartment and I knew it was him. I felt this immense joy. And I, because I felt it, I said out loud, I missed you too. And that the force got even stronger where I wasn't even able to walk through the door of the apartment. And, but it was, it was just joyful. And I remember smiling and laughing and I realized that I probably could have had a little bit more of that connectivity with my mother if I would have worked through the grief in a different way when I lost her. Um, but now I know that they're they're both around me and I can feel it. They show me different signs and synchronicities. Um, so I know that they're there. But I speak, um, I speak to them all the time and I bring them into my daily life. Um, so I know that they're seeing any of my accomplishments and things that I'm doing. Uh, I know that they're proud of me and I, I, I bring them into the experience with me. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. Um, you, part of that journey and part of that healing process, you started journaling with, not with your mother, but with Mark, right? With, with Roger. Oh, um, Roger. I'm sorry, Roger. Mark. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> Let's don't tell Roger about Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I started journaling. I, I've always been one to journal my entire life. Um, but when my mom passed, I, I had stopped. I really, I guess I didn't really want to write down my thoughts and what I was feeling because I was so feeling so bad and so horrible. Um, but with him, I felt a draw to, to start writing. Um, and it was about three months after he had passed or so. Um, I had lived in upstate New York at the time uh, and there was a pool that they had there. So I just took a, a blank book and I started go going out there and writing uh, basically every single day. And I was writing very quickly. It wasn't the same writing that I had normally done. Uh, the pen was moving faster. Um, a lot of different things were coming out about his death, about my mother, about the experience of it all, um, but also about things about myself, um, discovering that I didn't have any really a lot of self-love for myself, uh, what I thought was there and it, and it wasn't. And I realized there was a lot of healing that I needed to do. And this was all coming out. And, you know, I want to say by the end of that year, the end of 2019, um, five months after he had passed, I had this book on my hands. Um, it wasn't my intention to write a book. Um, but I also realized I knew it was more than myself and I knew I was meant to help others in a different way. Um, and I'm also, I've also been a very private person my entire life. So me putting out this private memoir was a, a difficult decision for me. Um, so basically I took all of 2020 to decide, you know, would I really publish this and do this? And I kept getting the nudge, my gut, or, you know, in my meditation, I kept getting signs again and just... I want to say notifications from them saying, you need to do this. You're meant to do this. You're meant to help others with your voice and what you've gone through. So then I, I went ahead and said, all right, I'm, I'm going to do this. You know, that's just to clarify, you, you started journaling 
the journaling turned into a book, which is something that you took forward. But journaling, let's talk a little bit about journaling and what it is, maybe so that other people can understand how it can help them uh, get through the grieving process by being able to write things down like that and how, how that process kind of plays through. Yeah, journaling for me, I, I started in high school, I would just write down my thoughts, uh, how I was feeling about things or even observances in life. I, I would just notice things or people in different ways around me. And I would just write down those thoughts, whatever was coming, you know, to me. Um, so journaling can take on a different, a different meaning for different people, um, even writing affirmations of, of things you, you're trying to manifest and or positive thoughts, you know, so it's, it's whatever you're feeling. You know, that's what I look at it like. I you just write down whatever you're feeling, whatever is coming through to you, um, and that that's my, you know, my definition of journaling. It's it's kind of like, I would you think it's kind of a new version of a diary? I want to say so. You know, I think I think back in the day there was such a stigmatism around that word diary, especially with the male population thinking, "Well, I'm not going to have a diary and write down." Dear diary X Y and Z. Um, so I'm yeah. glad that, that that's changed because it's not really that. <laughs> it's just writing down what you're feeling, or you know, and and what you're kind of going through, or your observations in life. Like I said, right. And you think that that's something that can help somebody going through the grieving process be able to say, and it, it's kind of writing down whatever your feelings are, whether they're negative, they're they're positive, they're negative, they're angry, they're sad, they're happy. It can be anything, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. With, you know, like I said, I, I wrote a little bit when my mom passed and it was all anger. I want to say it was anger. I was, I was pissed. I was annoyed. I, and it, it was there in the writing. Um, and, you know, but this time around, it was a mixture of a lot of different things. The anger really wasn't there. It was just, just the sadness. So it's, it's basically whatever you're feeling, like you said, just, just letting it oh, out, damn. letting things out. Yeah. That, that, I think that's a positive, uh, it's a positive thing. People forgot what communication is. And basically, it's a communication with yourself and, and the universe, God, whatever, you know, you believe in, in that regard, it's, it's a communication that's kind of there for you to expose, let it out, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've done different things in my journals over the years, I've even burned journals of mine from from the past, just because I was done with whatever was in it completely. And I made amends with whatever was there. So I've had, and that also has helped me cathartically, you know, sometimes yeah. when I burned some of the journals and just let, let it, let it away to the, to ashes and to the wind. You know, it's interesting. I had another guest on the show previously, uh, Marissa. She uh, is a, um, a psychic medium that basically uh, helped our listeners understand how to write a letter to someone that they lost because they didn't get to say what they wanted to say before they had lost them. And she said, well, you have the opportunity to say it. You have the opportunity to write it down in a letter. And one of the options that she gave them was to either keep it, seal it, put it away, put it in a box, and or go out and burn it. And if they burn it, then it goes up into the universe and it, the message gets to them. So that, yeah, I, I, did, I did that with my father since my father wasn't in my life at all. Um, and he passed on... Um, Gosh, I was, I, I don't even, gosh, I was 30 years old when he passed before my mother and I had never met him as an adult or, you right. know, I only saw him for a few years when I was a, a very young child. And I, I wrote a letter to him um, about two years ago, um, just, just talking about my feelings. And I had written about him before in journals and things like that, but this was specifically me addressing him and, and what I was feeling of what went on with my life and what he missed out on and 
you know, him leaving my mother and, and all of that. And it, it helped me immensely with, with the healing from, from that experience as well. You know, I never thought about that, doing that with my father. That might be something that uh, he just opened my eyes to. <laughs> I may have to do that. Um, how, how did your spiritual perspective change through both of these journeys? I, I think I want to say it got, it got more intense um, since uh, this last loss. Uh, I, I'm connected more. I, I get out in nature more, and I want to say that I feel their presence even more when I'm outside, um, whether I'm walking by the water or walking under trees. I know that they're, they're still, I strongly believe that they're still around us. I think that once we pass on, uh, I don't think that we're done completely. I think that we, we go to the other side, whatever goes on there, um, but we're, we're still we're still here in some form. It's just a different a different way. Different way. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that um, uh, they are with us, and we just we don't necessarily have to let them go. We can always keep a place in our heart for them, and still move our lives forward in a very positive way. And you know, through you know, you have a uh, a business that helps do that as well, don't you? Yes, I'm a mentor uh, and a coach. You know, so I, I help people on their on their journey, and it doesn't have to just be about grief. Uh, you know, like I said, I didn't have a lot of self love and self confidence when I was younger. Um, so those folks too, and helping them try to heal some of those early wounds um, that they had in life. You know, so I, I help my clients with that as well. From that point, yeah. Now you um, had you had before you wrote this book, before you journal in the book came about. Had you ever thought about by being an author before? Was this like the first time, the first thing that showed up? I mean, I would I would joke around in life and say, you know, maybe I should write a book one day and things like that. Um, but I've always been a good writer. Um, when I was in high school, I, I had a lot of papers that I wrote where teachers, the teachers would call my mom and say, we think you have a gifted writer here. Um, but oh, because cool. of the background, the background we I came from and having such humble means, it wasn't encouraged to go like into the arts and do something like that, right? We we were taught we needed a steady paycheck in that aspect. Um, so I always kind of put it in the back of my mind. I never uh, thought about it, but I know even in college, I, I wrote an analytical paper once uh, just for this uh, criminal psychology class that I had taken. And I remember the professor calling me on the weekend and I thought I did something wrong right away. You go into that, that space and... Uh, she just said no. She just said, "Wow, your your writing is impeccable." I was only twenty years old, um, but even I didn't think of it of going into it and, and writing a book and being an author at that point either. Was your did your turning this journal into this memoir was it difficult or was it seemed pretty easy when you? And I'm not saying that it's easy for everybody, but from the fact that you poured your heart onto this and your soul into this, was it easy to convert it into this memoir? It, it was easy. I, I tell folks that, um, and that's why I knew it was right. And I knew that I was finding my purpose, I realized, for the first time in my life. I had been asking what was my purpose, um, and this being so easy uh, to turn it into a memoir. I mean, as it is, um, it's really, it's not edited too much out of uh, the journal format that it was in. It was, I just really edited the where, where I wrote things and kind of the place that things were in, in the book, but there wasn't a lot of editing done. Um, I did add in some conversational pieces, uh, you know, just because I had taken a class on memoir writing um, in 2019 when I started on this journey and realizing, well, maybe I should get into the space and speak to other writers and see, you know, what goes on. Um, 
so I added in dialogue into into the book just because in a memoir class they had said, you know, that keeps a reader kind of in, engrossed, especially right. in a memoir when you add some conversation. So um, that was what I did on, on the technical terms. But as the book, as it stands, it's it's basically everything that was written and in the raw form that it came out. That's a good thing. Do you do, do you, um, the, the, let me try that again. How long ago did you get this published? Uh, so I published it in April of 2021. Uh, I self-published it. Um, so it's not a year old yet. Um, but that was the, the journey that, that started this all. Yeah, I'm assuming that your, how's your family feel about the book? Do they, have they read it? Do they? Uh, they, yeah, my family, not all of them have read it. A, a few of them have read it. I think, um, I think some of them haven't read it because I think they're just, you know, they're not ready yet to read all the emotions that I have in there. Like I said, it's very raw um, and I'm very candid about everything that I was feeling. So I think it's difficult for some folks that are close to me, I right. think, to read it and realize that I was in so much pain that they didn't realize. Um, but um, I've got a lot of a lot of folks telling me that it's very inspirational, that they have appreciated that I wrote it so raw. Um, and, you know, there's there's points where everyone is, has told me that they, they're crying through it, but they're also laughing, you know, because I'm telling mm -hmm. little stories of my life along the way. Um, so it's bringing them a, com a combination of emotions um, that they, but they've enjoyed it. Of everything. Well, that's, that's good. I mean, obviously I think that you, the message that you bring to the book and you bring from the book is, is a loving message for um people to help move forward in their life when they have lost somebody like you did. Uh, do you think that they can get something out of that that would help them to move forward? Oh, absolutely. I think this book has something for just about everybody, um, not even just those grieving. I think a little something for everybody, just showing, again, my humble means and my background, um, showing how you can pick yourself up and move forward with any kind of adversity that you go on in life, um, but also healing ourselves. Um, that's a big part of it. Um, but then I want to say, telling people in the book, I made sure to put that inspiration in there that you may not know your purpose early on in life, and it just may pop in out of nowhere. But to move forward with it, if you feel that it's something you need to do, you go ahead and do it, right? I think I stopped myself a lot in life because I was analyzing things and going into my mind and being analytical about everything. And then I was also looking for a lot of external validation. So I, I speak about that towards the end of the book and my transformation saying, don't look for external validation. If you want to do something, go do it and start start the steps to, to on that path of what you want to do. Um, and that you don't need permission from anyone, you know, and, and I, I talk about that in the book. So you, you pretty much transformed your life while you wrote this book and what you came out of it and with the journaling perspective and working through the grief process and working through all those emotions, you transformed your life into something new. Oh, absolutely. I, I realized I had a lot of things to heal um, from my childhood. I also realized I had a voice that was squashed sometimes in my life, and I wasn't telling people my true feelings and what I was going through. Um, so it's also about people opening up their voice and being you know, true to themselves and that transformation. Um, I'm formerly a human resources professional of 22 years, um, and this is nothing on the path of that. And mm -hmm. so I kind of show people you can start something new at any given point, you know. Are your intentions to write another book? Yeah, I already have two that I've been working on. Um, 
because they they were guiding me to write uh, two additional books that I had started um, even before this one was uh, published. Um, so I'm I'm still those are a work in progress. They're kind of unfolding naturally, you know, as this book as this book did. You know, I want to say the right. words came out of me, and I'm I'm allowing that energy to happen again. So I, I am writing two additional books. Oh, that's outstanding. You know, it, it's amazing how sometimes the universe puts us on the path that we're supposed to be on all along. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it comes a little later in life, but that's okay too. Um, yeah. Do you have any steps, any processes that you want to share with uh, people that um, may help them through their grieving process? Maybe like what what should they do after losing someone? I think you know, to give themselves some grace. That's that's the first thing I usually tell people. Give yourself some grace. Don't be hard on yourself. Don't, you know, don't get upset that you're that you're upset about what's going on. Give yourself that that moment to feel what you're feeling. Um, but also getting out in nature. I, I tell folks that, that that helped me so much. Being out in nature, being by water, um, being by trees. You know, I always tell folks. I, I tell folks all the time, go sit underneath the tree for a little while. It, it just, it gives you peace of mind. It can give you information of possibly what you need to do um, with your own journey. Um, but I also tell people to always let the light back in also. I think that when we're in our darkest moments, sometimes we want to stay in that darkness because it may give us comfort. It may keep us closer to our lost loved ones. But I want to say that I know now that they want us to keep going. So to let that light in, whatever it may be. So if it just means getting up out of that bed or going taking to, going to take that shower, you know, after you're grieving, those little things just allow that light in and but just to keep moving forward one step at a time, but to give yourself grace, you know, no matter what. Those are great. I love that. Uh, and going out into nature, I think, is a really positive thing. It helps you to reconnect with the universe from a different perspective. And once you get comfortable in there, you can talk to the universe anytime you want. Yeah, absolutely. Really and then good. don't forget about the meditation. I didn't want to, I forgot to put that in there too. That's that's a big one that's always there. Well, absolutely. Meditation, well, yeah, like you said earlier, meditation allowed you to kind of get a deeper connection with the one that you lost anyway. Um, as well as mind, body, soul balance, it helps us to uh, to reach the connection that we thought we didn't have anymore. Yeah, because yeah, I think in life we're, you know, society, we're all trained in different ways and it, it takes some time to unravel all of that. It may sound crazy, but, you know, it took me now in my mid-40s to unravel a lot of these things that society taught me or the family taught me or my culture right. taught me. And it's not always the way. It's not a blanket thing for everybody. And I think that it, it took a while for me to unravel that. But if I can help folks unravel that for themselves sooner, I that that's what I'm here for. Right. I realize that I'm here to be of service for others and to help humanity just a little bit through my own journey. Well, you do that through both your business and through, through your coaching as well as your book. So let's talk a little bit about both of them and how to get a hold of you and how to buy the book. Yeah, uh, my website is jennifermalamani.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram, uh, jennifer.m.alamani. I'm also on LinkedIn uh, and Facebook, uh, jennifermalamani.com. Outstanding. And your coaching business, what what do you, I know we talked about it, touched on it briefly. Um, what kind of people do you help? I noticed lately uh, I'm getting a lot of folks that are in uh, that millennial uh, age group, I want to say. I think that they're 
realizing they want to uncover a lot of things earlier on in life. And uh, they've realized I've had some successes. So they've been uh, reaching out to me a little bit more, which I think is great. I think that if I would have had someone who would have guided me um, in a different way, the way I'm trying to do for others, I think I would have maybe been on a path sooner than later. But I think that I'm exactly where I'm meant to be right now um, at the age that I am. But I'm, I'm here to, to help others for sure. That's a good thing. Um, I'll have all of that information in the show notes to make sure and on the website before you go podcast.com to make sure that they have uh, an easy access to connecting with you in all forms, including your social media uh, postings and things like that, as well as a link to your book, because I think it's an amazing book that can help people through their grieving process and sharing that journey from such an intimate perspective, I think gives us the opportunity to um, kind of grasp it from a, a more personal perspective to get people through their loss. So thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And this conversation, I I, I honestly thank you for sharing that journey with us. I believe that uh, you've been through losing someone that you finally found has got to be devastating, but you took that tragedy, you turned it into something positive and you move it forward in such a way that it gets people to kind of, uh, um, be able to uh, manage life. So this is one more thing before you go. And I always ask, do you have any words of wisdom that you might want to share with our listeners? Uh, just to keep keep living their lives in love. And I want to say with self-love being the most important um, one of all, because I think that if we don't completely self-love ourselves, we can't you know, help others in that, in that aspect. So just to generate your life in love and with love for yourself and, and keep moving forward in that space. Very profound words of wisdom. Jennifer, thank you. I appreciate you joining me on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you for this uh, and spreading the word. Um, absolutely, 100%. Thank you very much for joining us on this program today. I really appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time to listen to One More Thing Before You Go. If you love us and you want to support us, please visit our unique storefront. We have some amazing opportunities for you to enjoy One More Thing Before You Go in a whole new way. Get to visit before you go podcast.shop. Anything that you purchase will help support one more thing before you go and allow us to bring you more content, more guests, more laughter, more journeys. Do not forget to download our app. It's free on the App Store and Google Play Store. It is one more thing before you go podcast app. It will allow you the unique access to everything. One more thing before you go developed and provided by Superpass, our sponsor. Subscribe and follow us and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go, have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved. 